Hey guys, how are we doing this week? It's Jawad here with Hit the Apex Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Hope everyone is well. Everyone's rested after a weekend off from racing, although not quite. You know, if you're a MotoGP fan, you would have been watching the season finale there in Portugal, um, Portimao, which we saw F1 go to earlier on as well. Um, so... So not quite rest, but yeah, I didn't watch it because it was on a bit too late for me. Ten past, um, not ten past one, sorry, but around one or two a.m. in the morning on on Monday, and I was away anyway um, for some much needed downtime with my partner. So getting out of uh, getting out of our usual surroundings, and you know, just having a nice weekend off, and um, I guess you need it, you know, especially with the next three weeks coming up. A triple header to end the F1 season and getting stuck straight into it with Bahrain and it's just it's kind of strange talking about the Bahrain Grand Prix at this time of year you know typically it's there at the start it's after Melbourne or you know uh, you have Melbourne and then China then we go to Bahrain but you know it's at this time of the year now we've got two races there back to back with the outer circuit to be used for the second one um, which is going to be quite exciting, you know, it's the closest thing to an oval that F1's going to race at, and, you know, why not, in a year that's been as crazy as 2020, you know, let's have one last little spanner in the works, you know, we know the championships have all been decided, but, you know, let's have some fun racing, and, you know, some fun races to, to come, so, yeah, you know, that's, I guess, my big thing about Bahrain is how, um it's at this time of the year but you know i'm sure we'll adjust it's a bit of a difficult stretch as well of course for any aussie viewers on the east coast here 110 for the first race this weekend and we got four past um not four past ten sorry ten past four the following weekend for the other bahrain race and then you know midnight for abu dhabi which is the finale going into mid-december believe it or not so you know um heading in you know so close to Christmas so close to the holidays and everything and you know just yeah again like to say a big shout out and you know a lot of gratitude the fact that we even got an F1 season underway this year and had a proper championship 17 races we managed to get in so you know now it's that time where you know it'd be nice when it's all done and dusted we can then relax and recover for next year and then all um, systems go for 2021, and however that will look as far as far as following, yeah, as far as following the schedule that we have so far, the provisional provisional schedule. So yeah, I will cover MotoGP a bit later on. Did want to offer some um, some final thoughts, closing thoughts on the year that has been 2020 for for the MotoGP championship. You know, we had the title wrapped up, of course, um, on last weekend or the weekend before the one that's just gone past there with um Joanne Mir winning for Suzuki so you know all the other loose ends that needed to be tied up there in Portimao I'll go over that and of course um we've got F2 on this weekend as well and supporting Formula One for the final two races in Bahrain and also a championship to be decided there as well so a little bit on that but Bahrain let's get into it and even though one could follow what the naysayers say, um, all the snooze festers out there um, say and go on and, you know, 
not watch the final three races. I mean, there's still plenty to be settled as well, and you know, you get you you get used to it over the last few years with the championship having been decided the way it does get decided, Lewis Hamilton winning it, you know, you've got um, P2 up for grabs between Valtteri Bottas and Max Verstappen, you know, 27 points there between them, so an opportunity there for Max to catch up if he can, if Bottas makes some kind of mistakes, you know, he's been pretty dismal all year as we've talked about before, and given the fact that, you know, there seems to be so many missed opportunities and, you know, I haven't done my research yet um, for doing a little post-mortem piece or trying to, you know, planning to do one. <laughs> oh, the last couple of weeks I haven't written anything, you know, I've kind of written, half written some stuff, but, you know, nothing solid. But yeah, post-mortem on, you know, where it's all gone wrong for um, Lewis Hamilton's rivals this year, and I'm sure I mentioned this last week as well, uh, Bottas, just, you know, mistake after mistake, and in Turkey, you know, it was just all the spins that he had was kind of a culmination of his season and everything. And it kind of, when you go back to Russia and the, you know, to whom this may concern line that he had, uh, it's kind of like, well, those people concerned, are, you know, you're just adding more fuel to the fire, mate. So it's not been great for Bottas, which is a shame, as you guys know, I do have a soft spot for Valtteri and everything. So you would like to see him come good, but if, you know, Max, who's been super consistent, apart from when he's in Italy, thankfully he's not in Italy for the last three races, um, he could easily catch up Bottas if there is problems on the other Mercedes car, so 27 points isn't too big a margin, you know, if you feel like if something goes wrong, you know, Max could be one to capitalise and get a win, as he has done on so many occasions when Mercedes have an off weekend, but Bahrain has been a bit, bit of a fortress there for Mercedes, apart from... The two years that Sebastian Vettel went back to back, um, 17 and 18. So, yeah, and it's interesting as well reading comments from Max after Turkey just came to my attention literally about an hour ago. Um, and no, I don't just write up my notes an hour before going to air. I do do, you know, serious preparation and everything, get it all together in the week leading up to it. So, yeah, you know, I'm not that, um, I don't wing it that much. You know, a little bit, but not not that not that much. You know, got to have all the facts and stats and stuff to. Otherwise, it just turns into a ramble, like um, I am rambling now. Anyway, comments from Max um, a few weeks ago, or yeah, after Turkey, pretty much saying you know, calling himself a third wheel in this championship at the moment. It's hard not to agree with that because um, it's hard to not disagree. With that, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say I basically agree with what Max is saying because Red Bull don't have a car that's quick enough to challenge Mercedes, even though he is finishing on the podium and scoring those points, you know, which is very vital for Red Bull to finish second in the championship, which, you know, they're sitting pretty at the moment, so I don't think they're going to have any threat from that. But having no way of challenging the guys at the front and, you know, sharing the podium with the two guys perceived to be in the championship challenge, you know, Bottas and Hamilton, but, you know, being miles behind him, you kind of do feel like a bit of a third wheel. So that's where I can agree with Max that, you know, it's frustrating to be in that position, but at the end of the day, the onus now comes down on the team to do a good job for next year and, you know, see what they can... Um, how much they can capitalise on the uh, performance tokens that they 
have to use for development next year. If, you know, they can't, well then wait till 2022 and also how's 2022 going to look for Red Bull as well with, you know, engine supplier moving forward after Honda's departure and everything. So it's kind of gone quiet on that front recently. But yeah, you know, 2021, you know, Red Bull, a team you expect to be in the championship challenge. And then this year, it was just disappointing to see where they started. We got to Austria so far behind um, Mercedes. And, you know, basically since then, it's there's been very little chance to catch up, even with the little development that they have been allowed for this season. Um, as far as when you look at uh, Verstappen's teammate too, Alex Albon, it's kind of gone quiet on that front as well. Haven't heard too much, but you know, you feel like if he does have an average weekend this time out in Bahrain, that the blood will be, um, they will be paying for blood kind of thing. So you'll want to see Albon secure a seat, and it seems likely that he will now, given that, you know, there's not much being talked about in the way of, you know, Nico Hülkenberg or Sergio Perez going over to Red Bull next year, which obviously will be a shame for those guys, and then when you look at Sergio Perez and the kind of season he's having as well, he's sitting mighty in fourth on the championship on 100 points, and this is the guy who missed two races um, earlier in the season due to testing positive for COVID, and getting the podium last time out in Turkey as well, when his teammate faltered, despite leading the race um, for, you know, more than 50% or whatever, you know, you can't fault the season that Checo's having, and for him to not have a drive for next year, it's just one of those strange injustices that, you know, you get in F1 sometimes, and, you know, it's, you know, the romantics notion of, you know, it being about the best drivers in the best cars all the time, it's like, well, sometimes it doesn't work that way, and um, we end up in these situations where, you know, your dad owns the team, you have, you know, the son in the car, even though the son hasn't, you know, really done as well this season as compared to his teammate and they have the third quickest car theoretically you know next year as well you know I think even though Stroll Jr. isn't you know someone that is going to have a target on his back internally I think because Lance Stroll sorry Lawrence Stroll I guess you know he's part of a consortium that owns the team the other shareholders surely will you know with the Aston Martin um, tie-in as well will be, you know, out there if, you know, Stroll Jr. doesn't deliver next year, especially if Sebastian Vettel jumps into the car and starts getting results out of it that they haven't been able to yet. So, you know, but anyway, going back to Perez, strange injustice, you know, where is he going to end up next year? Looks like nowhere on the F1 grid unless Red Bull do go left field and whatnot. But at the same time, you want them to keep the faith in Albon and see how he goes for another season as well, you know, and possibly give him a better car to be able to unlock his potential more so yeah Red Bull sitting pretty there in P2 that's not going to change Max has the opportunity to move up into second if he can in the championship and you know when you look behind I think that's where the intrigue has been all season and now when you look at um, Ferrari a threat as well having scored you know 56 points in the last four races which has actually been the most points scored of the midfield teams in the last four races so you know they're only 24 points behind Racing Point now who are still third Um, then you've got McLaren behind them and of course uh, Renault as well behind so you know Renault we've talked about you know possibly 
racing with, you know, one hand tied behind its back, you know, with Esteban Ocon not really putting in those performances that, you know, we see Daniel Ricciardo doing. And, you know, it's a bit disappointing, you know, for Ocon too, given that he's such a, a highly rated driver and hasn't really, you know, put his foot forward this year, you know, in a factory team as well, which, you know, everyone's saying, oh, he could be a Mercedes driver potentially, but we haven't really seen the best of him. Not that, you know, we shouldn't give him the chance. I think that would be unfair. And of course, next year, it's going to be a difficult test putting him up against Fernando Alonso of all people as well. You know, Alonso known to be a bit of a teammate killer, you know, unless your name is Lewis Hamilton, of course, and then you, what happens is he jumps ships and goes somewhere else. But, um, you know, It'd be nice to see if, you know, Renault do want to finish P3 in the championship this year. It would be nice to see Ocon chipping in and getting those points there behind Daniel Ricciardo. But otherwise, you know, you look at the drivers fighting for fourth in the championship, you know, with Perez sitting fourth at the moment. Well, you know, Danny Rick, four points behind there. Um, Charles Leclerc as well, 97 points. So, you know, he's in the mix too, three points behind. So, you know, that's going to be where the intrigue's at, and, you know, for Ricardo, he could easily finish fourth, you know, if he has some good races, but, you know, Perez has been in mighty form, you look at the form that Ferrari have had, and, you know, they've typically been strong here in Bahrain anyway over the last few years, even if we don't think they'll be in contention for the win, you know, Leclerc had his maiden pole here last year, and, you know, by all means would have won the race too if he didn't have that um, problem with his engine, so they could be on for a good weekend too. I mean, I say the same thing about McLaren, who I still have faith in that they will deliver the consistency over the last three races to possibly finish in fourth, um, in sorry, third in the championship. And, you know, Lando Norris, he was excellent here last year. I was watching some highlights um, the other day of his performance last year, you know, going wheel-to-wheel with, I think, Kimi Raikkonen, some excellent overtakes that he had as well, you know, and the confidence that he has um, on this track, the fact that he scored his first F1 points here too. So I think we should see a good race for McLaren, hopefully, you know, and Carlos Sainz too, nearing the end of his tenure at McLaren, you know, he wants to go out on a high, and I think delivering P3 in the championship would definitely be the best way to do that, <laughs> and, you know, a bit of a bit of an awkward one if um, they beat Ferrari too in the championship, because that's, of course, where uh, Carlito is going next year, so, yeah, that midfield cluster, you know, I keep the faith in McLaren, that's just me personally, you know, I'm going with my heart on that one, um, you know, he- with, with your head it's hard to say given that it's been so up and down, you know, theoretically Racing Point have the best car out of that lot, you know, they've been um, constantly quick all year in qualifying, you know, apart from a couple of occasions, but you know, the likes of Ricardo for Renault have been able to pull out a few podiums, um, McLaren as well, they've been, you know, they were consistent in the first part of the season, but kind of dropped away, but hoping that these last few races, especially two races in Bahrain, which is a good circuit for them, will be able to bring that form back, so, you know, it's all just going to be, you know, as well as not really paying attention at the front, you know, if it's going to be Hamilton out there doing his thing, I think, you know, the intrigue will be around uh, the midfield and who's going to finish, and the fact that, you know, one of the midfield drivers could even finish on the podium, you know, that's how 2020's been, and it's amazing to see this little stat, you know, after Turkey, and I didn't bring it up last week, is that, you know, out of the 20 drivers on the grid, um, 20, sorry, 
<laughs> out of the 20 drivers on the grid, 12 have finished on the podium this year, so, you know, more than 50%, and that's not something we would have said a couple of years ago, or even at the start of the hybrid turbo era, where it was exclusively the top three teams, and, you know, Williams included as well, but yeah, you know, you've had AlphaTauri this year, you've had McLaren, you've had Renault, you've had racing points, so, and along with your Ferraris, Red Bulls, and Mercedes, so it's been, it's, there's been great coverage, and I think, despite the championship really being a lopsided affair, you know, and that's, you know, we can give credit to Hamilton and the form he's been in, you know, he's in another dimension at the moment, um, and that just makes it worse for Bottas, given that they're in the same car, and, you know, there's no, like, a spare, you know, A-spec car, B-spec car, or, or any you know, of that kind of nonsense, it's just, you know, Hamilton's just in a different dimension, you know, he's racing in a different zone at the moment, so the competition, though, around them, especially for, in the midfield, has been great, and the fact that, you know, you take away a team like Ferrari, who should be, by all accounts, fighting for second in the championship, or third, um, and remove them, you're going to have that uncertainty you're going to have those other teams challenging for the podium and despite Hamilton running away with the title this year it's been a great season it's been so mixed you know as far as the results are concerned so yeah it's you know while it is boring on some accounts when you know we see the same person winning it has brought forward all this intrigue in different areas too which I think are a bit underappreciated by some but you know there are those out there who do you know enjoy and appreciate what's going on behind them so that being said you know I do feel like you know I'm excited for when the sport's going to change the new regulations come in hopefully we get some new championship challenges up there too but until then, you know, we're making do, we're seeing some okay and some exciting racing, so let's just crack on for it, and, you know, three races to go for this season, well, you know, what more harm could there possibly be done, apart from if you have a power unit that's going to fail, and you get some grid penalties, that might not be good, given the fact that we're coming to the end of the season, and um, we might see a bit more failures if, you know, teams haven't really managed that um, properly, but, um, yeah, you know, What's going to happen, I think, you know, Mercedes, it should be a straightforward weekend for them, you know, they typically are very strong here, what's Bottas going to do, you know, he just needs some wins under his belt this season for a bit of pride, I think, otherwise he's going to start off on the wrong foot next year, he's going to be, you know, it's not going to be Valtteri 3.0 or whatever, it'll go back to, you know, Valtteri, it's James mode, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, you know, Hamilton as well, contract situation, I mean, Toto Wolf came out and said that, you know, likely it's going to be sorted at the end of this year, you know, might as well finish the year, then be able to sit down, have a pizza, and sort out the contract for next year, because, you know, if Hamilton's saying things like, you know, I'm just getting started and everything, and, you know, I'm, I want to use my platform to really reach different people across the world and inspire and all that, then, you know, um, he's not going to be leaving anytime soon, as I said last week, and should be taken as a bit of a warning shot um, by all the other teams and drivers, and, you know, particularly the teams, you know, who kind of fallen by the wayside this season, you know, Red Bull and Ferrari in particular, and then, of course, whoever's going to fancy themselves a shot at the championship um, in 2022 when we get the new regulations come in. So, yeah, you know, 
Hamilton keeps his winning streak up this year. You know, he could finish on 97 wins, you know, three close of... Uh, so close, or three close to to being the first driver to reach a century, and you know could be also given a knighthood at the end of the year too, or whenever the um, knighthoods are handed out. Sir Lewis Hamilton. Not that I'm a fan of that sort of stuff, you know. I don't really pay much attention to the royal family and all that, you know. No offense to anyone who does, but it's just this is not my thing. I think colonialism is just yeah, <laughs> I can live without it. All right, what else have we got? So, when you look at past winners here, Seb still got four wins over Lewis, but, you know, if Lewis wins this weekend, that'll change. Alonso, the only other winner, um, who is tied at the moment on three. Um, Seb, as I said, has won four races. I just just had a complete blank. Anyway, um, and yeah, Hamilton was the previous winner last year, of course, after Leclerc's failure that he had. So yeah, you know, apart from the early morning start, I think, you know, we should have a good weekend. And as I've said on previous editions, um, Bahrain's has been made so much better, I think, by putting the race under lights. Um, very exciting. You know, you go back to 2014, of course, where that was kind of the start of the, the Hamilton-Rosberg rivalry, those two going wheel to wheel and, you know, the team coming on the radio, trying to come down and everything. So, you know, you have good memories of that. You know, Maldonado kind of torpedoing uh, Esteban Gutierrez as well, uh, a good memory. And then, of course, uh, Lando last year, his form was pretty sensational too. And as I said before, um, Formula 2 as well, supporting F1 over the next two weekends there in Bahrain uh, to weekends left for Formula 2 as well for their championship, um, which is still up for grabs, which is great to see. My, my, Michael Schumacher, I was about to say. No disrespect to the great man. But um, his son, Mick Schumacher, like, let's clarify that. Mick Schumacher is leading the championship by 22 points at the moment over fellow Ferrari Academy driver, Callum Eilat, who, let's just be honest, is the only credible challenger to mix title lead at the moment so as you know how formula 2 works you get two races over the weekend a feature race and a sprint race across the saturday and sunday and the um sprint race of course is reverse gre- reverse top eight so yeah you know mick he's had a great season it kind of started off a bit slow but you know then he had that dominant patch you know through the um, early race, like the middle races, let's say, and, you know, now we've kind of had a bit of a break from F2 for a bit, um, I think it was back in Mugello that we had F2 last, so, you know, had a, had a bit of a break from that, of course, and now, you know, these final two events to see who will be champion, and yeah, you know, it's hard to go past looking Mick as being the one to win, you know, it's kind of, he's kind of written his own destiny this year, he's you know, we tipped him saying, you know, within the next couple of years, he's got to be F2 champion if he's going to go into F1, you know, it's not really right if he just goes into F1 without, you know, proving himself in the F2 championship, which he has finally done, and that's good to see, you know, we're not just going to be promoting him everywhere because of his name and all that, but, um, you know, he's really had the measure of his rivals this season, and yeah, you know, 22-point buffer is good, but um, he's got to get the goods He's got to deliver the goods this weekend too. And then when you look at the guys who are behind um, Schumacher and I a lot, you know, you got Yuki Sonoda there who will, I 
likely, you know, sounding likely to be heading to Alpha Tauri next year for his F1 debut. He's heading the battle for P3 in the championship. You know, behind him, you've got Christian Lundgaard, of course, the Renault Academy driver, Robert Schwartzman, and Nikita Mazepin as well. So Mazepin, um, another candidate looking to make it into F1 next year, of course, with his father's fundings. Um, the oligarch that he is, uh, the funds that, Haas F1 desperately needs, so we could see Mazepan going over there with Schumacher, as we've said all the time, and, um, you know, after all, it's F2, anything could happen, and, you know, with Schumacher the favourite, I think a lot of people hope that, you know, Schumacher's the one who wins, you know, just purely for nostalgia and, you know, all the romantics and everything, but... As I said before, you know, it's good to see that Mick has kind of, you know, forged his own way, you know, he hasn't just been, had the door open for him or whatever, you know, I was pretty critical um, early on, you know, when we didn't see him uh, get those results, and even last year where he was so patchy and everything, it's like, well, he's not someone we should be talking about going into F1 anytime soon, you know, that's, you, you do that for any driver, you know, even if it's someone you like or you dislike, but don't, you know, go and say, oh, he's going to be in F1 next year because, you know, he's the son of Michael and everything. It's great for promotional stuff and everything, you know, especially if it's with a Ferrari-affiliated team. But, you know, if he's not ready, he's not ready. You know, don't waste that seat on someone who is not going to perform, particularly when you've got so many other drivers who would be good. You know, I'm sure there's people out there who think Callum Eilat deserve it better deserve it more than Mick, whatever, but, you know, it's whoever wins the championship that, you know, should, should get that seat or whatever, so, yeah, it's, it's, again, one of those things that I said before with, with Checo as well, it's, it's F1, unfortunately, you know, it's not all about the best drivers and the best cars and everything, sometimes money talks, power talks and all that sort of stuff, so, you know, you just have to kind of grit your teeth and, and move on, but, um, you know, I will, watch these races on delay because I don't think they'll be on um I don't know do they start before the F1 or afterwards or whatever um especially with the race Grand Prix itself on at um 10 past one in the morning I don't think I um want to stay up too late the night before maybe get a couple of hours sleep and then get up at one o'clock to to watch it because I do have work Monday morning now after you know how many months of not doing so (laughs) so that's not true I have worked on Mondays for pretty much the whole season except for the last maybe month or so um anyway just just a real a bit of irrelevance there anyway um so yeah, you know, I might just watch them on delay, make it easier for myself, and speaking of watching things on delay, you know, I've had such a crazy week that I'm going to do my MotoGP thoughts on 2020 piece, and I still haven't watched the Portuguese Grand Prix, I was hoping to have watched it before I recorded this, but I did not get the chance, so let's just go in and talk about it, you know, let's talk about the whole season, because it has been, you know, a crazy one, and, you know, There's no doubt that 2020 has been crazy for a lot of reasons, of course, you know, COVID and all, but, you know, for sport in particular, the fact that, you know, we've seen championships all over the world and sporting leagues all over the world, you know, end up going through and completing their season, you know, AFL and NRL here in Australia, one of the first um, sets of leagues in the world that ended up, you know, starting up after, after the pandemic started and everything, so you know, MotoGP, we got a 14 race season in, I believe, so 
Yep, correct. I was right for once. 14 race season we got in this year. You know, it was a quality season, I guess. You know, um, as I said last week, it's a bit sad that we didn't have Mark Marquez, but at the same time, it was good that we didn't have Mark Marquez because we got to see, you know, what the championship would be like without him. Um, so many different winners, you know, and we, one of our new winners this year, of course, won his home Grand Prix in Portugal there, Miguel Oliveira for the Tech 3 Yamaha team, second win of the year, and, um, you know, from pole position too, which was a bit of a dominant display Jack Miller finishing P2, his final race for the Primac Ducati team, and of course that result securing the Constructors' Championship for Ducati, so Suzuki got denied there, and we had Franco Morbidelli, who ended up second in the championship as well, with that um, podium finish uh, over the weekend at Portimao, you know, the best Yamaha rider this season, who would have thought that that would have been the case when we were coming into the year, and given the fact that, you know, he was on the 19 spec bike as well, you know, with a few upgrades, I think, you know, that's the thing that, you know, the other riders lacked this year, is the consistency of last year's bike and everything, and, um, you know, good on Frankie for doing that, three wins this year as well, you know, tied with his teammate, um, Fabio Quattararo for most wins this year, and then it's amazing to think that, you know, as I said last week, Yamaha has the most wins this year as a constructor, but, you know, they didn't even finish, they finished third in the championship behind Suzuki and Ducati, it's just incredible with the season that they've had with all their problems, um, you had Valentino Rossi as well, of course, who finished his 15-year career with a factory Ducati, sorry, factory Yamaha team over the weekend. It was a bit of a damp squib, actually, finishing, uh, n- sorry, 12th in the race, um, and, you know, overall finishing 15th in the championship, which you would not have expected. He had the single podium this year back at the Andalusia Grand Prix, um, which was the second race, you know, so third there and then the rest of the year it's just been you know he's finished in the top 15 apart from when he um had a few retirements um he had three in a row you know uh the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix (laughs) it's like Emilia Romagna they had that in F1 too but yeah the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix at uh, Misano that they had you know Barcelona and then at Le Mans as well then he missed two races with COVID uh, the two races at Aragon, and then, of course, the first leg of the Valencia um, races retiring out of that, too. So it's been a very, very, very disappointing year for Rossi. You know, disappointing year as a fan of his as well, you know, um, whether it's to do with a rider, whether it's mostly to do with a bike. You know, you'd like to think that, you know, it's a bike issue, not not a Rossi issue. Um, you know, Rossi this year as well changed crew chiefs, of course, so, you know, trying to go in a different direction, but it's just... Yeah, seems like it's been, you know, the bike issue because you look at his teammate, Maverick Vinales, as well. He finished sixth in the championship, but, you know, sorry, yeah, sixth in the championship. And, you know, he's had a barren run of podiums uh, or barren run of results, sorry, as far as the podium has been concerned since the win that he had back at Emilia-Romagna at Misano. So, you know, there's been no consistency there for him. Fabio Quattararo as well, you know, he was looking like when he came out of the blocks this year at um, Areth, you know, those two races back-to-back winning, you know, from pole position on both occasions. It was, you know, thought to be his year this year, but then he was able to win there at Barcelona. Was it Barcelona? Trying to think. Yeah, it was in Barcelona, um, uh, the first leg of the Barcelona 
No, they only raced at Barcelona once. Silly me, I just, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, winning after that, you know, he didn't finish on the podium either, so that's when his championship challenge kind of went downhill. So, you know, what do Yamaha do? You know, even though we've got an engine freeze coming in for next year, it's, um, you know, Rossi has said that there's no excuse for Yamaha not to make gains over the off-season. You know, they've got Cal Crutchlow that they've hired now as their new test rider, um, replacing Jorge Lorenzo, of course, and the, you know, kind of down-to-earth, honest, in-your-face guy that Crutchlow is. I'm sure, you know, he'll be able to point out the deficits and, you know, the shortcomings on that M1 bike for next year. Um, and for Crutchlow, too, it was a bit of a sad into his Premier Class career, of course, bowing out of the championship in 18th um, in the standings. No podiums this year, of course, and, you know, injury kind of clouded his season too, you know, missing a couple of races and all that with injury and some operations that he's had. So, but I do look forward to seeing him, you know, back in the Yamaha fold, of course, because, you know, he made his debut with the Tech 3 Yamaha team all those years ago. And, um, you know, just seeing how he develops that bike, because that's what Yamaha sorely need at the moment. And then, of course, you've got Quattararo going over to the factory team next year, next to Vinales. And for Vinales, it'll be a year to prove himself too, because, you know, you've got Quattararo, who's been so... He's just, you know, he's got that X factor, which Vinales had a few years ago, and then all of a sudden Maverick's just been kind of down in the dumps and just not consistent enough. And, you know, Rossi over there at um, the SRT, the Sepang Racing Team, how's he going to go? You know, is he going to... He's obviously still going to have the limelight on him because, you know, it's Valentino Rossi and, you know, you if you're at seven times Premier Class World Champion, you know, nine times overall champion in, in MotoGP, then, of course, you're going to have all the attention in the world. So, yeah, you know... Even on the satellite bike, he's still going to be, um, I'm sure he's going to still have a lot of attention on him. And, you know, that's the bike that Quattararo won three races on this year. So, you know, let's just put it out there that a win for Rossi next year would be fantastic. Phillip Island next year, that's the one I want him to win. You know, we'll go there, get all our Rossi gear out and um, see if he can win that one for us. I don't think Ducati have had as dismal a year as Yamaha have as far as results are concerned. If I were Ducati, I would be disappointed that I wasn't, you know, able to fight for the championship, um, given the fact that Suzuki kind of came out of nowhere in my books to, to come in and claim that. And, you know, Mir, of course, the champion, world, the new world champion, uh, retired out of the Portuguese Grand Prix there. So, you know, the, his work was done. He didn't need to do anything else. But, um, you know, Dovi finishing in sixth in his final race for Ducati, of course, and he's going on his sabbatical and finishing fourth in the championship overall. He said that, you know, leading up to, leading up to the race in Portugal that he had no regrets over, you know, the championships that he has lost over the last few years, you know, especially with Marc Marquez couple of years and then you know this year not being able to fight either and you know my question is should he you know or shouldn't he you know I think you know he if I was in that position I'd certainly feel disappointed that you know they were the opportunities to take advantage of it he could have easily you know been two-time MotoGP champion but he's come up as the bridesmaid and everything again you know you look at the season that his teammates had you know Danilo Petrucci as well I think couldn't wait to get out of Ducati you know it he's kind of 
been in a position where he's always had to look over his shoulder and even though we did see a win for Petrucci this year in the wet there at Le Mans you know it's been that was his only podium you know so a bit of a season for him to forget he's going over Tech 3 KTM next year to get onto the bike that Oliveira has been on so I'm sure it'll be a much happier environment for him there but yeah you know if I were Dovi I would certainly be disappointed you know and what's Dovi gonna do in 2022 (laughs) little nice little rhyme you could come up with you know if any seats free up on the grid you know the Aprilia seat of course you know not one that anyone's wanted so I think Lorenzo Savadori who was on the Aprilia the last few races will be racing there next year so you know for a guy like Dovi you know he's won races and stuff he's is he going to be able to come back and win a championship who knows who knows? Rookie of the year, Brad Binder, down in P11 in the championship. You know, he won a race there for the factory KDM team. And it's kind of funny given that, you know, Binder, this was his rookie season. And only in the third race, he was able to come and win. While, you know, his teammate, Paul Spargo, who's been with KTM since they came back in, or they debuted in the championship, he could only do five podiums this year. It didn't win a race, but finished fifth in the championship so he's been super consistent in that respect and then you look forward to next year and him going up against Mark Marquez on the factory Honda which you know factory Honda bike has been pretty volatile as well outside of um when Mark like you know what apart from when Mark Marquez is on the bike and you know this year we haven't had that so the factory Honda team has been a bit dismal um Alex Marquez getting a couple of podiums in his debut season he'll be at LCR Honda next year taking Cal Crutchlow's seat but um you know it's it's interesting you know just looking back at the whole year you know the racing has always been good quality but I think what this has exposed is the lack of consistency is you know that's the big issue I think for this year without Mark being there you know if Mark was there they would even you know if Mark was there you know they'd look bad because he's you know miles ahead of everyone but I think for Ducati and Yamaha this year things look even worse because there is no Marquez and they still lost the titles to Suzuki of all people who let's be frank and honest as much as you know congratulations to Suzuki for winning this year I don't think anyone would have had them as a bet to win this year because we would have had a fit Mark Marquez we you know we thought Ducati would be up there you know Yamaha too with Quattararo and Vinales but you know it kind of looks worse on the rivals that you know Marquez wasn't there this year to kind of make it a bit fairer for them but um you know the lack of consistency got exposed you know because these guys were center stage and they've got to address that you know hopefully next year even with Marquez and fit and healthy back on the grid that these guys are not gonna be as inconsistent as they were this year plenty to be excited about as far as new lineups are concerned as well you know the new factory Ducati lineup Jack Miller and Peko Bagnaia there going up from Pramac Ducati um, as I said last week too you've got the two um, new riders there at the Avintia team or Sponsorama whatever they're called these days you might as well put a Sky VR46 sticker on them because you know you've got Luca Marini and Anaya Bastianini um, getting on the grid there moving up and Bastianini of course the reigning Moto2 world champion 
champion. So he beat Luca Marini for the title, which of course I'm a little bit sad about because, you know, I would have wanted Marini to win because um, I've kind of become a bit of a fan of Marines, you know, also helps that he's Rossi's uh, stepbrother too. So, you know, exciting to look ahead to next year, of course, you know, it's a bit sad when you've got names like Divizioso and um, Crutchlow as well that are getting off the grid and everything, but, you know, you look at the talent that we've seen this year, even if they weren't in the championship hunt per se and all that, you know, your Brad Binders, your Miguel Oliveira's and winning races, uh, Juan Mir, of course, going to have a target on his back um, next year to see if he can retain the championship, uh, even guys like um, Daga Nakagami too, they've been so quick at times, and Alex Marquez showing flashes of brilliance too, so, you know, it's really, we're kind of transitioning into this new era where all these younger kids, you know, given that Mark Marquez, of course, is still pretty young, but, like, you've got these youngsters coming in and, you know, trying to make a name for themselves, you know, it'd be great to see what a fit Alex Rins will look like next year, too, given that he missed a couple of races this year due to injury at the start of the season, you know, he ended up third in the championship, which, you know, best possible thing, I guess, given that he did win sorry, he did miss the first race altogether and had a couple of retirements, so, you know, and Suzuki winning the team's championship too, so, yeah, you know, that's, that's MotoGP, it's always going to be exciting, it's always going to be great, it's going to be what F1 isn't at times, but, you know, we still love both, don't get me wrong, still love both, it's too, it's like comparing chalk and cheese, and when, you know, people try to compare them on paper, it's like, yeah, no, it doesn't work, I'm afraid, I mean, I'm guilty of trying that, if you, you know, a long, long time ago, but, you know, slowly learned that that's not the case, and that's not what you're supposed to do, you enjoy both of them side by side, even though they're in two different worlds, but when they do cross over sometimes, like we did last year, or like we saw last year with, um, Hamilton and Rossi doing the, uh, ride swap or whatever, then it's, then it's pretty cool. And then, especially when you see Lando Norris wearing that uh, Valentino Rossi hat around too, and I still didn't end up getting one, you know, maybe that's something I can get for Christmas from my partner, although apparently she's already bought me something, so I'll look forward to that. <laughs> I don't even know if she listens to these, you know, when she's not around, but oh well. Hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, that pretty much wraps it up, you know, we've got racing, it's kind of an interesting period we're in at the moment, a period of transition as far as the seasons are concerned, because, you know, F1's going so late into the year, you know, we've got the cricket season starting, you know, properly, um, even though the domestic stuff is on at the moment, but, you know, the first one day, are, you know, normally we don't have one day international start off the summer, but this year we do, which is kind of exciting because it gives one day as the attention it needs as well at the moment in this country, so... You know, Australia versus India, that's going to be great. Um, Test series coming up too. So, yeah, can't wait to, to watch that on Friday when it does kick off. And then practice. Yes, F1 practice too. Anyway, guys, that's my voice, I think, about to go. So uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always. You know, shout out um, if you need or want on Twitter. We're there at Hit the Apex Media and everything. So, you know, look forward to hearing from you guys. And um, we'll be back next week to do some reviews and more previews um, for the coming races there in Bahrain. So, take it easy and we'll see you next time.